0: I hope you've um, got something out of this series that we've been in and I hope that at Christmas time when you do play some board games, whether it's these ones, the ones we've been talking about or others or whatever, I hope that kind of some of this stuff that we've been speaking about comes back to your memory uh, while you're doing that and when some of you are tempted to cheat, uh, I hope that some of these words will come back. Yeah, you know who you are. Um, So, the power of choice is potentially a life-changing power. When you make a choice or a decision, it can change not only your life, but umpteen lives around you. One choice, one decision can change everything. Um, Many years ago, I listened, I heard this guy speak, and uh, he was speaking, uh, and he told a story. And uh, the story's never left me, really. I don't know why, but it never has. Perhaps you can be the judge of that. But uh, the story goes like this. He says, when I was a kid, he said, my dad was playing golf one day with one of his buddies. He says, and he told me about this story years later. He didn't tell me at the time. He says, but what happened was that my dad was playing golf with one of his buddies. And one of his buddies said to him, he's American, and it's the buddies. One of his, one of his friends said to him, oh, you know, while they're playing golf, hey, listen, whatever the, the, the guy's father was called, I've just got this new business deal that I'm about to enter into with, with a few other guys. We're going to set up this new company. We've got this great new idea. And he said to this guy's dad, would you like to be involved in it? If you want to get involved in it, you can be part of Satan's new company. And this guy said, My dad said no to that man. And then the guy who was Satan said, Years later, I found out the story, and I found out that the guy that my dad said no to was called Ray Kroc, and the little company they started was McDonald's. And the funny thing is, the guy, the guy who was speaking says, that could have been my inheritance. Do you know what I mean? My dad said no to that business opportunity, and whether you like McDonald's or not, it's a pretty successful brand. That one decision changed loads of things. And I want to say to you that the power of decision and choice is, is a really important thing. And when you're playing Jenga, you need to decide which block you're going to pull out at any one given time. And at the end of the teaching called the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus went into in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in the end chapter, uh, in the end bit of of, of chapter 7, the end of the the teaching, he talks to the people about choices and decisions and he lays out a whole load for them. Not going to go into all of them, but he says, You can choose whether you're going to go through the narrow gate or the wide gate. You can choose whether you're going to follow false prophets or true prophets. You can choose whether you are going to be a true disciple or a false disciple. And then he ends the whole of the teaching on the Sermon of the Mount with this one thought. He says, you can choose whether you're going to be a wise builder or whether you're going to be a foolish builder. And then he tells a story to illustrate it. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you've got a Bible, it's Matthew 7, 24 to 29. The the words will come up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Jesus says this. So this is the very last thing he says in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, that's all these words I've been saying, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Now I want to explain a little bit about this uh, to you. When Jesus tells stories, in the Bible we often call them parables. Some of you will know them. Um, the Good Samaritan, the, uh, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son. They're stories, parables. When he tells a story, it's a story that the people will connect to because it's from their world. But it's a story that contains a spiritual truth. So we're not really talking about an actual literal wise man who built his house on rock. This is a story to describe something else. We'll talk about that in a moment. Now, second thing I want to know, when Jesus tells a story about house building, he knows what he's talking about because Jesus was a carpenter. So he's talking out of a world that he knew all about because he was a carpenter. And that's how they built houses, out of wood in those days. And thirdly, when Jesus lays two stories side by side, which is what he does here, this is a brilliant way of teaching. He talks about a wise man and how he built his house and a foolish man. When he lays two stories side by side, you need to compare and contrast those two stories, and that's what we're going to do this morning. Now the structure for this talk is not mine, it belongs to a guy called John Ortberg, I heard him speak on this many years ago, and to be honest, when I came to prayer, I thought I can't do it any better than that, so I'm going to nick, okay, or borrow, I'll give it him back, uh, that structure to this talk, because it's just brilliant. But before we get into it, there's another story that some of you will remember from your childhood, which comes to mind, and I'd like you to help me with filling in some of the words, okay, in case I forget, so here it goes. It's very deeply profound, so I just need to get myself just emotionally prepared for this as well. Little pig, little pig, let me come in. No, no, not by the hair on my... I just always wanted to get a group of people to say chinny, chin, chin. That's fantastic, isn't it? Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll... You blow your house in, that's what the original thing says. Let's just say it again, just for those of you that didn't miss it. Can we have the keyboard come and just play underneath it? <laughs> little pig, little pig, let me come in. No, no, not by the hair on my chinny, chin, chin. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. That story that all of us probably know from our childhood is very similar in reality to the story that Jesus told, isn't it? Because there were three little pigs and they bit, two of them built their house out of wooden straw and one built his house out of bricks and the wolf came to the door of every little pig. But only the one who built of bricks, his house was the only house that stood. Why is this story so powerful and so relevant to people just as much today as it was when Jesus said it 2,000 years ago? Three things. Number one, we all build a house. That's the compare. We all build a house. Here's a photograph of a man. It's got to be in America, I reckon. Uh, Next, Merlin, if you can put it up. Photograph. Yeah, who actually built his house of Jenga pieces. How bonkers is that? He actually constructed a house out of pieces of Jenga. I just found it and just thought you'd want to see that. And that's really helped you. But the house in this story is a metaphor for a life. He's not talking about a physical house. He's saying every one of us builds a life. We build a character. We build a soul. Every person builds a house, you build your life and we build our life mostly on the choices and decisions that we make day in day out, that's how we build our life and so on the teaching that we've been looking at the last few weeks, how you spend your money impacts the life that you are building, how you deal with your anger, how you deal with bitterness and unforgiveness will shape the kind of house, the kind of life that you're building, every one of us builds a house And you might say, oh oh, no, I don't, I just let it happen. Well, you're building a life through letting it happen. You are making choices that you don't think you're making by the fact that you say, I'm not making them, you're actually making them. We all build a life, we all build a house. And Jesus is saying in this incredible story that there is a wise way to build a house and there's a foolish way. There's a good way to build your life and there's a foolish way to build your life. Every one of us builds a house. Every one of us builds a life. You know, I had this story about this lady called Mrs. Winchester. She was married to the guy who invented the Winchester rifle. Okay, so many of you will know that, American history. And um, so it's a long time ago. So she, when her husband died, and she was loaded. She was incredibly wealthy, incredibly rich. But when her husband died, not long after that, her child died. And she was so heartbroken that she went into a depression. She turned to the occult, and uh, she got into a whole kind of spiral of, of incredible, uh, just, just depression really. And as part of that, she developed a belief, and the belief was that if she kept building her house... So so didn't stop, just kept building a house, building a house, working on a house, working on a house. If she did that long enough, death would be confused and death would not come for her. And you can actually go visit this house in America. It's called the Winchester Mystery House. She built such an enormous house, it took 16 carpenters, 38 years to to work on this house. There were 2,000 doors, 160,000 windows. You open some of the doors and the other side of the door, there's just bricks. So they're totally useless. But she just had this belief that if she kept working on her house, if she kept building her house, then death would be confused and death wouldn't come for her. The thing is this. She was still building her house when death came. You see, death wasn't confused at all. And after she died, it took eight trucks working seven days a week for six and a half weeks just to haul away all the stuff she'd accumulated in her house. You see, no matter what kind of a house you build, one day the truck is going to come. And I'm sorry if that's depressing for some of us, but that's the reality. We all build a house, don't we? That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying the wise man builds a house and the foolish man builds a house. We're all on the same page here. We all build a house. Secondly, the second compare, we all face storms. How many of you know that's true? The wolf comes to the door of every little piggy. Isn't that right? We all face storms. This is not a story of how to build a house where there are no storms. The wise man didn't build his house where there were no storms, because we all face storms. It says in Matthew 7:25, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And people do think that they can build their house, their life, in such a way that they will insulate themselves against life's storms. People do think that. So people do that and they actually work on their literal house. If I can spend enough time on my literal house and just keep doing stuff to my house, I'll do it in such a way, I'll build a house in such a way that I won't face any storms. Some people think if I can accumulate enough money, enough stuff, then storms won't hit me. Some people say, well if I could be religious and do a lot of good things and be a really good person and work really hard, then storms won't come near me because God wouldn't let that happen. Some of us think, if I can fill my life with another activity, then storms won't hit me. I've got news for you this morning. Every one of us faces storms. We all build a house, and we all face storms. You know, I used to think, when I was a kid, and I'm only realising it now, I used to think, when I was growing up, that storms wouldn't come near me as well. I've had a really good upbringing, I've had really great parents, a very loving home. Sister was a bit of a challenge, but that's another story. No, and I'm joking, she's just sat over there, so that's why I just threw that in for a little bit of light comic relief, which will come back to hurt me. I know that, I know that. Story of my life. So, um, <laughs> great family, Christian home, Brought up really well, we lived in Hagley and Pedmore, so we were quite well off and everything was absolutely great. I can't think of any traumas in my childhood or any storms and I think that what was developing me was an idea that actually, do you know what, I don't think I'm going to get any storms, that's how I'm going to live my life. Then in my 20s, me and Alison, we've been married a couple of years, a really, really good friend of mine who was a mentor to me, uh, him and his wife, uh, he was a leader of a church and uh, him and his wife, uh, they were having their second child, and she went into childbirth. And so we were on the edge of the phone and waiting to hear about what had happened, you know. And she gave birth to their second daughter, but during the process of giving birth, somebody made a mistake in the hospital, and they put the epidural in the wrong part of her spine. And so she gave birth to her daughter, but she died. And uh, I can remember going over to see my friend, who was about ten years older than me at the time, who was a mentor, and just sitting in amongst them and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, how do you come to terms as a pastor of a church and with a daughter and now a baby and your wife's just died and all of that and so all of a sudden facing storms with people that were close to me and then around the same kind of time some leaders that I also looked up to a lot and were very influential in my life, some of them fell morally and as a guy in my 20s, Looking up to people who I really respected and really wanted to build my life like, understanding that they were human and that they made big moral choices and bad choices and decisions was very devastating to me for a long time. Then in my 30s, just as I became 30, we discovered that our youngest son Simeon, some of you, many of you know that, Um, we knew something was not quite right with Simeon by about 18 months. And by about the age of two, his speech was so delayed, his sight, you know, kind of wouldn't follow us with our eyes. Now we knew something was wrong and we went for lots of tests and questions and all that kind of thing. And the the upshot was at about two and a half, um, we, I still remember that me and Alison went to a consultant where he sat us down and he says, your son has complex special needs, learning disability. He has very acute autism. He has ADHD. He's, Probably never going to be independent in his entire life, and I can remember as people, a married couple in our very early 30s, sat in the car park outside, you know, just in tears, trying to get to grips with the storm that we'd been hit with. And then through our 30s, uh, Simeon kind of started to grow and, uh, you know, and develop and whatever, and we kind of got used to that. But then in our 40s, in my 40s, within a two-month period, my dad died, and Simeon went into meltdown. And for a six-month period, uh, it was complete meltdown where he would be very violent to us, to his brother, and uh, we lost the ability to cope, and uh, we just couldn't cope with it any longer. And so that moment when uh, we realised that we couldn't cope with it and went to social service and said, please, please, can you help us? We don't know what to do with our son anymore. And the an upshot of that was that three years ago, he ended up uh, going into uh, residential care, where he is now. And he's doing really, really well. But I know now in my late 40s that every single person faces storms. Some of you have faced much, much bigger storms than I faced. But when I was growing up in that kind of middle class kind of nice environment thinking, do you know what, if life stays like this then I'm going to be protected from storms. But my 20s and my 30s and 40s have shown me that every single person builds a life and every single person faces a storm, isn't that right? But here's where the story gets quite exciting and quite challenging. You see, you may be someone who realised this morning that you are building a house and you also realise that you are also facing a storm. And perhaps you're facing a financial storm. And it's really hard this time of year when you're facing a financial storm or a work-related storm in this month, isn't it? Because everything this month is all about money and money and money and money. And, and you know, uh, someone told me last week when I preached at the end of the service and who's involved in this that, you know, social care, uh, the guys in social care will say that one of the biggest issues that will happen over Christmas is is family breakup and all of that. We know that. But one of the, bi- the, the biggest call that they'll ever get is when people open all their presents on Christmas morning and realize the amount of debt that they put themselves in. At that moment, when they see all their family and friends opening all their presents, they suddenly realize, oh my goodness, just look at how much we've spent. And you see, if you are facing a financial storm, this is a terrible time of year, isn't it? And you might be facing that right now. You might be facing a financial storm. You might be facing a work-related storm. You might be facing a marriage storm. And you know, I know I'm speaking to a lot of Christians this morning. Christians, we are terrible at being honest. We are terrible at being honest. The amount of marriages that I've spoken to and they finally come and said they're in trouble and I want to look at them and I want to say, oh my gosh, you've been in trouble a long time. Why didn't you find help before? Because actually now you've come to try and find help. The storm is pretty big and pretty deep and there's a lot of mess and wreckage. But if you'd have only been honest and come and asked for help when you began to be in trouble rather than down here, then perhaps it would be a different scenario. Perhaps you're facing a marriage storm. Perhaps you're facing a family storm. Again, Christmas can be a tough time. Perhaps you're facing a health storm right now. Perhaps you're facing an emotional storm or a spiritual storm. I don't know what storm you're facing. We all build a house And we all face a storm. But here's the third point. And this is where the stories diverge. And this is where all of a sudden the teaching of of Jesus is absolute genius. Because he connects everyone together by saying, listen guys, we all build a house. We all face a storm. But here's the third thing. We all have a choice about how we're going to build our house. And that's where the stories diverge. The foolish man built on sand and the wise man built on rock. Not only was Jesus a carpenter, but Jesus was a carpenter from Palestine. He knew the terrain. And in that part of the world, okay, in first century Palestine, there are a lot of places where it looks great in the summer to build, but in the winter they become gullies and they they kind of carry torrential rain. And Jesus knows that. And he says a lot of places look great to build, but if you dig a little deeper, you'll realise that's not a great place to build a house. Now my question for you is this. Why did the man choose to build his house on the sand? Have you ever thought about that? Many of you know this story from Sunday school and you know it from, from the past. Why did this man choose to build his house on the sand? Was it deliberate? Was he wicked? Did he set out to build his house in such a way that when the storms came it would end up destroyed? Nobody does that, do they? Nobody chooses to build their house on sand. Why did he do it? When a kid does something foolish... What's the one question the parents ask them? Why did you do that? Isn't that right? So, here's a little bit of confession time. Uh, when I was a teenager, early teenager, me and my mate were at my mate's uh, parents' house and my mate's parents had invited my parents around for tea. And um, they'd laid this all big posh buffet on with all this different kind of food. And me and my mate thought it would be a really good idea if we got involved with the food, okay? It interfered a little bit. So what we did is we completely destroyed the whole meal. So we took the cream off the trifle and put salad cream on it. We put uh, Tabasco sauce in various things. We put chilli in other stuff. We put Marmite where it shouldn't belong. We put all kinds of stuff in the kind of food. We thought that was a really great idea. Genius. And then we thought, now we need to hide before they eat it. So I jumped into the boot of my dad's car, which was a Granada. And remember the Ford Granada? Oh, yes, Granada gear. And I jumped into the boot. My friend, all right, who was a little bit challenged, I think, in terms of the brain department, jumped into the boot with me and shut the boot. (laughs) So I'm looking at my friend in the boot saying, now, how are we going to get out? I didn't think of that. Now, that happened, and then a few weeks later, okay, I'm with the same friend, there's the connection, it was all him, I, I'm, with, I'm with the same friend, and we were at our church, and we were in a junior choir, and then after we had our rehearsal on Thursday night, the adult choir had their rehearsal, me and the same friend that had just done the meal thing, we decided that it would be really good if we let off stink bombs in the church, okay, on our way out. So we let off stink bombs in the church on our way out. I was really young, all right? Can I just say that? And we went, I went home. Then I remember my mom coming home that night and she was home like an hour earlier than they normally were. And I can remember her coming upstairs and she was green. And I, I said, what's the matter? She says, we've all had to go on because nearly everybody's been sick. Because the smell has been so bad in the church. I'm like, oh, really? Now, it then suddenly dawned on my mom that I was the culprit. Now, in both those instances, when I was finally, you know, when they finally found us in the boot of the car and when they finally realized it was us, they asked me a question, and this was the question Why did you do that? And do you know what my answer was? It's the same answer that every kid always gives I don't know. Isn't it? I don't know why I did it. I just... anyone identify with it? Anyone done something? And you know, and when someone's asked you, why did you do that? Your response is always the same. I don't know. I think if you said to this man, why did you build your house on the sand? His response would have been, I don't know. He just did it. And it's genius what Jesus is doing because he's highlighting the very classic response. We don't do it deliberately. We just do it. We just do it. Now hang with me. The foolish builder never sets out for his house to end up destroyed by a storm. Nobody ever does it on purpose. Nobody ever sets out for their life to be mediocre. No couple that ever walks down the aisle sets out, you know, to, as they walk down the aisle, think, you know? What? in a few years' time we'll be walking into the divorce courts. No couple ever do that. Nobody sets out. Nobody plans when they take one drink that they're going to end up an alcoholic. Nobody plans that when they take that one bet on that one horse, they'll end up as an addict to gambling. Nobody plans when they watch late night TV to end up addicted to porn. Nobody sets out to get so wrapped up in work that they neglect their family and they end up all alone. Nobody sets out to do it. We just do it. And Jesus ends the whole of this teaching with a simple choice for you and I to make. And I want to finish with this at the end of this series because I'm aware in church that Christian life, spiritual life is not about how much you know. I know loads of people that know loads of things about the Bible. Spiritual life is not about how much you know. It's all about what you do with what you know. All about the decision you make to apply what you know to your one and only life. And so there's two choices for us at the end. Number one, choose to build your life on the only rock that will never crumble. And I'm talking here that if you're not yet a Christian, you don't class yourself as a Christian, I'm speaking to you this morning. Choose to build your life on the only rock that will never, ever crumble. There's some great verses in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah. It says this, For the mountains may move, And the hills disappear, but even then, my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. You know, life is so fragile, you know that, don't you? We were praying as a team before this morning and somebody prayed about this and I realised what they were praying about. You know, we, on our news we've seen the helicopter that crashed into the pub in Glasgow. What a bizarre, surreal thing. And then this morning I read on the news that uh, Paul Walker, who's a, who's a movie actor, he's the age 40, was the main star in Fast and Furious, six films all about high-speed car skill and he was the best driver in the whole of them. He died last night in his Porsche his porsche lost control and he hit a tree and exploded and died life is fragile we all build a house we all face storms but the choice we have is that whether we are going to build our life on the only rock that will never crumble and if you're not a christian this morning you can do that by saying do you know what i want to give my life to god i want to build my life on jesus because he's the only rock that will never crumble And you might say to yourself, yeah, I'm ready for that and we'd love to talk to you about that this morning. But you might say, I'm not ready for that. I want to ask more. How do you know that? How do you you know that he's the rock that will never crumble? How do you know that he exists? How do you know that this? How do you know that? Well, we run a thing here called Alpha. You've probably heard it. You saw it on church news. It starts on January the 13th. Yeah, it's like a month or so away, but it's really only a few weeks away. And as you like get... Sort it out in the new year and start to pick up the new year what an amazing way to start the year by giving just a few weeks of your life to check it out and if this is true it's the greatest message on planet earth it's worth 10 weeks of your life to check it out so if you don't know this for a certainty and you want to do that I would love to encourage you to go up and sign up today don't put it off till tomorrow or next week do it today that's making a decision but you know if you have made that decision I know many of you have the second choice is this. We get to choose to continue to build our life on the rock that will never crumble. So this is not just a one-off deal. You see, Jesus says it really clearly, Matthew seven twenty-four. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and he's talking about all of the words that he said in the Sermon on the Mount, and puts them into practice. So you don't just hear them, but you put them into practice. You are like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You're gonna face a storm just like the foolish man, but your house will stand. Isn't that great? Because you don't just hear the words, you put them into practice. So here's the thing for us as we finish this series. These past few weeks, you've heard teaching, whether you've been here or heard it on the podcast, or if you haven't, you can, on all kinds of issues that Jesus says. How to handle anger. How to work with forgiveness. Our attitude to revenge. Our attitude to attitude. How we pray. How we give. How we handle debt. How we handle possessions. It's not the fact that you've heard the stuff that's going to put your life on the rock. It's what you do with it. It's totally what you do with it. And that is your choice. That is your choice. And I want to finish by sharing something which has been really helpful to me. A few years ago I read a a book from a guy and and he he had this this way of putting this into, into an image that I could really work with. And he called it the dimmer switch principle. And it's simple and it goes like this. When we respond to the light God gives us, he gives us more. It's like he turns up the dimmer switch. But when we don't respond, he takes away the light we already have. So so can I explain that again? When we hear truth from the Bible and we respond, God gives us more. It's like he turns up the switch. But when we hear truth and we don't respond, he actually turns it down. And I've thought a lot about this, and I thought, you know what, that's absolutely true. Because why is it that I've sat with people who I knew years ago were really building their life on the rock, were really solid with God, were really going with God, and now I'm not even sure they're a Christian. Because what's happened is that progressively, the light that they've heard, the light they've received, they've not acted it on, and it's almost like God's turned it down, and they've lost their sensitivity to the Spirit, they've lost their openness to God, and they've ended up becoming a, a pale imitation of who they were. And yet, why is it that sometimes there's a new Christian that comes in, and within weeks or months, they're more mature spiritually than someone who's been a Christian for donkey's years? Why? Because they responded to the light they were given, and they acted on it, and God gave them more. And they acted on it, and God gave them more. And can I say this is a challenge to some of us? Some of you have been a Christian a long time, okay? You really have. We have to keep growing. We have to keep growing. And we keep growing when we hear the word of God and when we put it into practice, when we act on it, we keep growing. And God gives us more light. And as God gives us more light, we mature and we grow. But many Christians stuck. They get stuck and they've got lots of knowledge, but we never ever put it into practice. And do you know what? God takes the light away. God takes the light away. And it's almost like he kind of says, do you know what? If you're not going to act on it, why am I going to give it to you? But this dimmer switch principle says like this, that when we act on what we hear, And on what we read and what we understand, God gives us more light and we grow. Isn't that a phenomenal vision worth giving your life to? People who apply light they receive get more of it. When it comes to spiritual growth, building your life on the rock, the amount of light we have at any given time is not nearly as important as what we're doing with that light. And one final thought. If you're facing a storm right now, you can turn to the rock that will never crumble. And I love Psalm 46, where the psalmist says this God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. God dwells in that city, it cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. We all build a house, we all face storms, but we all get a choice on how we're going to build our one and only life. Why don't we pray? Ask the band to come back. Jane, if you could just start playing for me. And just before we finish, we're going to sing a, a hymn together. It's been kind of slightly updated, but it's just got some great words of truth about foundation and anchor and, you know, just the solidity of that. But before we do that, I want to just give an opportunity. If any of us here this morning want to respond to the word of God that they've heard if you want to say Do you know what I, I, I've had some light coming to me this morning and I, want, I want to respond to that and it may be that you know you, you, you say Do you know what I, I, I have built my life I have made that decision to, to make Christ my foundation my cornerstone but you know what I haven't been building my life like that I haven't been applying the truth I haven't been acting on that I haven't been hungry for that it's just like I made that one-off decision and I've kind of put my life on, on Christ, but, but I haven't continued to build like that. And God may have challenged you this morning. God may have challenged you this morning to say, I want to do that. I, I don't, God, please don't turn that switch down. Turn it up. Today could be a time when you encourage His hand a little bit to turn that light up in your life. It might also be this morning that some of you are facing a storm. And as I went through some of my storms, You know, you then started to think a little bit about some of your storms. And the reason I did that wasn't just to talk about me. The reason I did that is that I want you to know that I'm just the same as you. And just because we get to speak up here doesn't make us any different to you. We all get to face storms. Some of yours are much more big and horrendous than the ones I face. But we all face them. And you might be be facing one right now. And I want to encourage you to go to the rock that will never crumble so if this morning you're you saying do you know what yeah I want to respond to that then why don't you just stand and I'll pray for you and we'll pray for you together so if you want to respond to either of those things you say yeah that's me I, I, I've stopped building my life on the rock and I want to do it turn the light up again Lord or you're facing a storm right now and you just need to know that God's with you would you just stand and we're going to pray for you it's a big decision It would be great if people who are sat around these guys who are standing, if you could just go to them, would you mind doing that just for a moment? Just put your hand on the shoulder. Just pray for them. I'll pray. but, but, But I think by you doing that, you're just there knowing that they're not on their own. This is also just in the way in which God often moves in people's lives. So why don't we pray? Father, we just thank you for these folks who are standing. God, I really pray right now that God, that your spirit would just touch their hearts and their lives. God, if they're responding because they want more of you and they want to build their life on their right, then please, Lord, even because of this response, would you turn the light up, turn the light of revelation up in their lives. But God, if they are facing a storm right now, then God, please, I really pray for your protection and your presence and your strength just to grab a hold of them right now. And God, they may feel like they're getting blown all over the place, but God, I pray that there just be a sense in that experience that they're not going to get blown away you know that you are anchoring them down because you are the rock that never crumbles you are the anchor that never lets go you are just an amazing god and so father we pray that they would know your presence with them right now holy spirit would you strengthen and encourage them i pray and turn that light up in their lives in jesus name amen